everybody. Welcome to Save Your Sorry. I am Katrina Rochelle, and I am here with my best friend slash co-host, Jose Angel. How are you? Great. How are you doing? You know, could be better, but better's not in the cards right now. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are together. And it's so good to be on this side now where I would be telling the story. 100% glad I'm putting my feet up right now. I ain't got no <laughs> notes. You won't hear no shuffling over here. I think we're both more comfortable when we do it this way. When I tell the story and then you give the feedback. Yes, but I want it to be noted that Katrina thrives on both sides. Yes, I thrive on this side. The other side, I survive a little. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't living, you existing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just makes me so nervous on the other side. Oh, bro, same. Today is Jose's turn, as he stated. So who are we talking about this episode? Today, we will be discussing Sinead O'Connor. Yes, yes. Are, familiar. Yeah, are you a fan of hers? Um, the thing is, when you only know one song, you really can't call yourself a fan. I'm a fan it, of that song. That is true. The Nothing Compares to You. Yes, yes, 100%. Sinead does have a different name. She has changed her name to, for, I believe, religious purposes, but... Sinead O'Connor still her stage name, so I will be referring to her as that. What's the name? Do you know it? There's Magda DeVeet, I think it's pronounced. Beautiful. And then there's another one. It's, I'm going to butcher this one. Shahada Sadaqwa. And I chopped it up. Yeah, that one is her when she converted to Islam. So sorry, I messed that one up. But <laughs> Sinead <laughs> O'Connor. Really, yeah. Um, I got most of my information from Sinead's own book, Rememberings, from the New York Times honored article, Sinead O'Connor Remembers Things Differently, from Rollingstones.com and NPR.org. Also, just from watching interviews with like Dr. Phil and other clips I can find on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think I've been wanting to cover Sinead for a while just because she was like one of the original celebrities getting canceled and nothing compares to her. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So Sinead O'Connor was born December 8th, 1966. That makes her a Sagittarius. I also believe Sinead is our first celebrity not born in the United States. She was born in Ireland. I can see that. She is the third of four children between her parents And her father eventually has another son with Sinead's stepmother, and she also has three stepsisters. Sinead's childhood was filled with abuse caused by her mother. Sinead talks about how her mom would find reasons to discipline them, like a lampshade being crooked or something looking dirty. It didn't really matter the reason. Sinead's mother seemed to enjoy abusing the kids, according to Sinead. She says she doesn't want to go into detail about what the other siblings experience because it's not her story to tell but she does go into detail about her own abuse she said a common thing that her mother would do would be to make Sinead strip naked and spread her arms and legs out and then the mother would kick her in the private area and the stomach oh my fucking god that's crazy yeah Sinead believes this was to try and destroy her reproductive organs it's my understanding from the reading 
that Sinead's mother did not want girls for some reason. So I know all the children suffered abuse, but the girls might have gotten it worse. That's a shame. Sinead said her mom would do this with a smile. And she would make Sinead say, I am nothing, over and over again while she did it. Also, she says her mother would be so casual about it. Like, if she got a phone call, she would just go and pick up the phone. And with her other foot still pressing down on Sinead's stomach, she'd, like, talk on the phone. Yeah, she was basically... uh... She's fucking sick. Yeah. The dad wasn't really in the picture. Divorce in Ireland only became legal in 1995. So they were separated, but they were not divorced. When Sinead was eight, her father, like, officially moves out. And the kids are obviously upset. Like, you know, their father's leaving, not going to live at the house anymore. Uh And they're just crying. And the mom, Marie, does not take it to well. Um, she locks the four kids in what she calls a hut. I'm assuming it's like a shed outside. And it has like a little window, but, you know, it's a shed. They're like locked in there. And she doesn't let them out. I don't know how long they were in there, but Sinead said that they lived outside for months. Oh, my fucking God. But the, but the father was no no help either. Because it's like, God damn, how long was the, uh, the father seeing all this shit happen? And he still decided to just leave. Well, I don't know if he was at home but like, he was in the house uh, at one point in time yeah um he was still a shitty father because you whether you're in the house or not you should notice something happening with your kids that is true so when being locked in the shed Sinead said this is the point when the darkness fell is when she lost her mind and she develops agoraphobia and it's just a horrible thing at this point she's only a And it's just so horrible that she's going through all that at such a young age. Yeah. Her father does end up getting custody when Sinead is nine. And he is actually only the second man in Ireland's history to get custody. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) And it was because of the shed incident. Oh, my gosh. But what the hell was... Oh, my gosh. You... (sighs) You don't know what the hell to base that off of, like where people just they favored mothers that much or were the the fathers that absent or what the hell? Because you can see it on both sides. I think it is the second father in at that point in time, the only to get custody of your child in Ireland. Like, are they just are they uh, only counting full custody? I think like full custody without the mother. Because at that time, you know, divorce was not legal. So. It, oh, I forgot about the law. Yeah. My bad. That makes <laughs> a little bit more sense, actually. Less so, outrage. Sinead and her siblings only lived with him for about nine months. Then that. they returned to their mother because they missed her. Which is just horrible how you can abuse kids and they can still go back to you. Yep, because at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, it's their mom. It's what they know. Mm-hmm. Sinead also says she was raped by strangers from the age of 3 to 12 she doesn't really go into detail she just says several times this is it's, one of <laughs> this is a horrible childhood I, I, it, I didn't know her she, it, it's just you just never know until you, you talk about these people it's just crazy. it really is a horrible childhood yes it is one of the reasons that Sinead starts developing the more masculine appearance her mom would call Sinead the pretty one and Sinead's sister the ugly one. And Sinead did not want to be pretty. 
pretty in her eyes got her raped and got her, you know, attacked. Yeah. Sinead lives with her mom and suffers abuse until she is 13. At 13, her mom is yelling at her and she knows she is about to get beat. So she just takes off running. She runs to her dad's house, but her and her dad do not get along. So she is not there for that long. Her dad sends her to a Madeline Laundry. Do you know what a Madeline Laundries were? Yeah, uh, like, uh, does it have anything to do with Mary Magdalene? It, that's what it got the name, yes. <laughs> what are they calling it? What? Never mind, let me shut the fuck up. I was going to say something else. But what is it? A, 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 a girl school? Kind of. I actually just found out about them on the podcast Behind the Bastards. They did an episode over them. But they were a place for fallen women. And they were run by nuns. And a lot of abuse happened there. And... The women were used like slave labor. It's somewhat like they were institutionalized in a reform school, but so much worse. So I guess asylum. But what like use for? So they were They were human slaves, like doing all the work, or were they sexual slaves as well, or something like that too? So without getting into much detail, um, because, I mean, you can go so much into the history of those. They would send the women there, and a lot of them would do laundry service. Mm-hmm. And they would pay the nuns, and the nuns could decide how to spend the money. So if mm-hmm. they did not give the money to the women, you know, the woman did not get anything. Okay. They also did other jobs. Um, but that's, I mean, we can really go into them. They're no longer around. I have a checkered history with nuns myself. So no matter if they have a habit or not, I'm looking at you sideways always. <laughs> they are closed down now, though. And I mean, honestly, if you want to know more about them, listen to Behind the Blasters, because it is really messed up, the things that go down there. But Sinead talks about them kind of in a good way. Hmm. I imagine she has already been abused her whole life, so this is not too much of a change of pace for her. And a nun there is actually the first person to buy Sinead her first guitar. At 14, she is able to go back home with her mom, and now she is a little bigger than her mom, so the abuse does stop. One, one day when Sinead asked her mom about the abuse, Marie, her mom, denies it ever happened. Sinead lives with Marie until she is 16, but then she just keeps stealing things, a habit she picked up from her mom. They were both like kleptomaniacs. Interesting. Yeah. She said like pretty much if it was not nailed down, she was taking it. (laughs) I've never been a good thief. (laughs) (laughs) So she does end up going back to the Magdalene Laundries. She is I would there. I it out my mama. I'm like, nah, if it's well, you might still have to go back. Dang. Well, I think she like I'm in the book. Both down. <laughs> in the book, she was talking about how the officer came around and he knew like her mom was putting her up to it, but there was really nothing he could do. Ah, uh, that's crazy. Oh, that's the time, and I guess <laughs> the country. Well, fuck that time and that country. Country is time. <laughs> <laughs> She is there for two years. When she is 18, her stepmother drives down to tell her her mother has died in a car accident. Mm. Sinead is able to leave at that point and go home with her stepmother. 
While she was living at the Madeleine Laundry, she had a job at a pizza restaurant. She worked as a kissogram girl, which is just like a little song that you sing and you kiss the guy at the end, like a telegram, but with a kiss. Get that shit out of here. (laughs) She is also performing with her band just locally. And just days after her mom's funeral, someone from Ensign Records contacts her and offers her a record deal. They saw she needed a win. (laughs) She really did. They saw her performing with her band, but they just want her, which is fine with Sinead because someone in the band had been stealing some money from the other members, so they had broken up by this point. And just so we have our timeline, it is now 1985. Okay. I kind of like that. I always wanted to be a part of a shitty group of people and then be pulled out of the shit and be like, (laughs) peace out, bitch. I'm leaving (laughs) you guys. (laughs) That's hilarious. But that's not going to happen between me and you, never. No. No. Unless someone offers me money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sinead moves to London and she gets an apartment or flat. Something weird there that Sinead says around this time in her book is that around the age 18, she develops this power, if you want to call it that. If she just met you, she can see inside your mind and perfectly see a room in your house. And she says when she asks people about it, they're like, yes, that's a room in my house and this happened here or something like that. I personally believe in all things supernatural and psychics and all that, but this is a new one for me. Mm. And she says stuff like that or says like a piano talk to her. And I don't know if she's like being poetic or if she's being literal and it doesn't really add anything to the story, but I just had to add it in. Mm. Sometimes pianos do look like they have mouths. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> maybe it did talk to her. Maybe. I don't know. But I also was thinking, because yeah. because it's just the asshole in me. Like, she's asking, uh, she's uh, imagining people's houses, like their rooms in their houses. And she's like, I see a couch. I see a TV. <laughs> I think I it's see like, a smaller couch. <laughs> I think it's like, <laughs> oh my god, my living room. Is see, I don't know if it's like that or if it's like more descriptive. Like you know, I see a white couch, a blue it, something. It probably is, but I'm just always <laughs> ass about stuff. So she starts bit by the book, so I understand. <laughs> She starts recording her first album, and her record label is telling her she needs to let her hair grow out. At this point, it's not the shaved look that we know her for, but it is cut very short. Mm. And she needs to wear skirts and, like, thigh-high boots and some jewelry. Don't conform! (laughs) Sinead is not having it. This is when she starts shaving her head. It's funny because in her book, she talks about going to get her hair shaved and the guy who was supposed to do it is in like tears doing it, which (laughs) I don't know if she's exaggerating or if at this point in 1986, people are still freaking out about a woman having a shaved head. That bad though? (laughs) Oh my gosh, no! Yeah, she was, she said it was a Greek man and, you know, he didn't speak that good English. She's like, no, 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 it's not for a girl. And she's like, yeah, just shave it. And he was like freaking out and crying about it. You ugly, no! 
Like, damn, just are you ain't I paying you for a service? Yeah, like I don't I pay for this opinion. And her hair's already short. Like, I don't get it. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And the eighties, I think it's maybe it's uh not the norm, but I wouldn't maybe in uh his culture. That's why he was being a little dramatic. I don't know what the Greek culture was, but that's kind of funny. Maybe that's when a lot of the stuff, you know, it's before our time. We weren't born in the 80s. And Not it's even in a, a thought. It's in a different country. So I'm like, well, what is going on? Yes, we are uncultured swine. <laughs> so at this point, the album is almost done. And Sinead is feeling like she can't hit them high notes like she used to. And she is quick to anger. She realizes she is pregnant. She claims that record label wanted her to do an abortion, but she chooses not to. Right before her first album comes out, she gives birth to her first child. Her album, The Lion and the Cobra, comes out October 25th, 1987. It is only expected to sell 25,000. It ends up selling 2,500,000. Oh, blowing out the water. Yeah, she has passed all expectations. She does get a Grammy nomination for this album for Best Female Rock Vocal Performance. And at this time, some artists were boycotting the Grammy's decision not to televise the award for Best Rap Performance. Which, yeah, it's high-key racist. Uh So when she goes on to perform, she has the group Public Enemies logo dyed onto her hair as a way to like support her, support them. I kind of like that. That's interesting. Yeah. So March 20th, 1990, Sinead's second album comes out, and this one is an even bigger success. It has a song written by Prince, Nothing Compares to You on it, which she is most known for, and it hits number one, like, everywhere. And honestly, it is way better than Prince's version. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> All I, the time. I can get with Prince's version, but sometimes, yes, I'd rather listen to Shanaida Kana. Yes. So she does get four Grammy nominations for this album and wins one, but she announces she is not going to accept any awards. She feels like she is not getting awards for what she stands for, but rather that she can sell an album. And she says she's a punk, not a pop star. She wants to shine a light on child abuse. She doesn't feel like music should be a competition and just several reasons. This ruffles some feathers, obviously. And she says she was bullied and harassed for that decision of boycotting the Grammys. And around, go ahead. I was just going to say, well, I I wonder if she explained what she wanted to get awards for then. Because, I mean, at this point, no, yeah, at this point in time, it's her second album. You, you know what the game is. You release an album, you're either nominated for awards or you're not. You either lose the awards or you win them. I, I don't think, know. What was she expecting to happen? Or she just didn't like all the attention on her. She wanted to be nominated for her music. She felt like she was being nominated because she can sell an album. Also, she's saying that the songs were shit. No, she like. like she likes her songs. But they weren't good enough to be nominated. Type no, thing. no. <laughs> she, <laughs> they were terrible songs. She likes her songs. She likes her songs. Okay. The record label is the one who was told her, you know, you're getting too personal about your songs. And she's like, well, that's where you're supposed to be. It's music. It's supposed to be personal. 
Uh-huh. And she's saying people are not like really noticing what she's singing about. They like the nothing compares to you, but that song makes her feel like a poser because it's not her song at the time. Uh, okay, I can see a little bit more of her point. People keep, you know, trying to paint her as this crazy woman at this point. Because she's so anti-industry right now. That's yes, that's pretty much what it is. And she doesn't like that it's a competition with the music. Mm-hmm. So she says she's at a watching party at Eddie Murphy's and she claims she was spiked, which I think means roofied. Mm -hmm. And we would touch upon that later. So three days later, she does leave LA where she's currently living and goes back to London. And she, at that point, pretty much feels done with being famous Before we talk about her big downfall, though, there is something interesting we should discuss. Okay. So I kept seeing this, and it's allegations against the artist formerly known as Prince. (laughs) R.I.P. A lot of the people were saying that he can't defend himself because he's dead, which is true, and But the first time I see these allegations were in 2014 before he died. Uh And I could not. Did he die in 2016? Yes. Oh, look at me. That was was a literal shot in the dark. I could not find anywhere where it said that he responded if he did. But a lot of people, that's like the defense saying, oh, well, she's talking about it now after he's died. And I'm not saying she's telling the truth. I'm not. 2014 is when the first time she started saying allegations against him. Okay. And the story is just so bizarre that I kind of think she's telling the truth. So let's get into it. Okay. So Prince calls her up and he invites her over to his house. And of course, Sinead accepts. It is Prince after all. And she. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Interrupties. Is this before, after, or during the nothing can. can nothing compares to success okay my actually the exactly the next sentence she thinks she's she thinks he's calling her over to celebrate the success of nothing compares to you <laughs> <laughs> obviously before <laughs> If there's anyone listening who doesn't know who Prince is, he is most known for Purple Rain, When Doves Cry, 1999, and Raspberry it, to name a few. Yes, and having a nice little swoop, bang, curly fry down the forehead. <laughs> so Prince sends over a car to pick up Sinead, and she says the driver is quiet, like not talking at all, which she finds odd. She says drivers mostly chat a lot, but she doesn't think too much of it. And when the car stops in front of prince's house he just like nods his head to the door so she gets out the car and goes and rings the bell a man opens the door and without saying anything gestures her to come inside no one is talking and Sinead just finds it odd the man leads her into the kitchen and then leaves and she says she's in that kitchen for a few minutes just by herself and so she just starts looking around in his cabinets like what does prince have in his cabinets mm-hmm. And then she says the kitchen's actually really messy. So she even starts cleaning up a little. And then in walks Prince. He offers her a drink and she says anything non-alcoholic. Sinead has said, you know, she's not much of a drinker. She claims she's allergic. 
She says she just throws up, which I don't know if that means you're allergic or if, you know, you're just drinking throw up. Yeah. Yeah, So he goes and grabs a glass and then real fast, he turns around, he slams the glass down and she's like surprised that he didn't break the glass. And he says, get it yourself. This sudden change in behavior makes her uncomfortable. She feels like she's a little girl again with her mother, but she knows like this feeling. So she starts looking for exits, but she doesn't like take her eyes off him. And at this time, there's like a little kitchen island or breakfast bar between them. And Prince is just like walking back and forth, looking her up and down. And this is making her even more uncomfortable. He then tells her he doesn't like her cussing in print interviews. And she tells him she doesn't care and she doesn't work for him. And she can tell this pisses him off, but he holds it together. And then he starts calling for Dwayne. The man who let Sinead in is Dwayne. Prince's kind of brother slash assistant. He says he wants soup and they go into like a dining room. And Sinead feels the way Prince is ordering around Dwayne and yelling at him is like a way to humiliate him. And Sinead does not want to be a part of it. So she refuses soup. And Prince is like, no, have soup. And she's like, no, I don't want soup. So they go back and forth where Dwayne is about to give her soup. And she like puts her hand over her bowl. And she's like, no, thanks, no soup. And it's just weird, but it gets a little weirder. At this point, Prince goes upstairs and he comes back and he's like really happy. And he has two pillows and he says, we should have a pillow fight. And Sinead agrees. She's like, what the hell? Like, who's not going to have a pillow fight with Prince? But (laughs) then he starts hitting her with the pillow and she realizes he must have slipped something in the pillowcase because it hurts. Like he's meaning to hurt her. And she's starting to get irritated. And then he goes back upstairs for some reason and she ends up leaving out the front door at the time the driver is still out there but he's asleep in the car so she starts calling for Dwayne, and she's calling for Dwayne. she's the gate is locked so she can't get out and then prince appears and he somehow gets her to come back inside they argue about her getting a cab and or walking she just wants to choose her own transportation she tells him she's not feeling safe She doesn't want to argue about, like, she just wants to leave. Now, this, I don't know if she's being literal or if it's, like, poetic, so I'm going to read you the direct quote. She said, quote, from the light through the open door, I see his eyes clearly. His irises dissolve in front of me so that his eyes go pure white. They don't go up. They don't go left. They don't go right. They dissolve. I see it clear as day. That does not seem like metaphorical to me. It seems like she's saying his eyes literally turned all white. Yeah, so, color me confused. I don't know what the fuck to think about that whole goddamn <laughs> story. Where it's not over. Oh, shit. <laughs> so she runs out the door because his eyes turn white. And to me, that is just like in the scary movies, like, you know, when someone's possessed or something. Yeah. And she's trying to wake up the driver and she's like shaking him from the open window of the car. And she's calling out for Dwayne. And Dwayne finally starts walking and the driver starts waking up and then Prince comes out and he says, go to sleep, go away. So they do. And he says he would drive her home, but she takes off running and I guess she like goes through the way of the woods or something. And she gets out and she says she's running. And finally she thinks she's gone away and she's further down and she's going to hitch a ride back to her home and the car is pulling up, and the person who pulls up in the car is Prince. 
So Prince gets out the car and, you know, he starts trying to hit her, she says. And she's running around the car, spitting at him. And he keeps trying to hit her. And then she runs to a house, rings the doorbell, and he gets back in the car and just looks at her for a minute and then drives off. She thinks he was trying to get at her manager, who was formerly Prince's manager. But that is like the last time she's seen him. So, are you buying this story? I don't. I don't know. I I don't know, man. It, I don't know, man. <laughs> okay. What happened is, okay, so this story does sound ridiculous. But Hollywood people are fucking weirdos. Yes. They got money. They take drugs that we don't even know for five years. They ain't even hit our market yet. <laughs> so who knows and and he opened himself up for this criticism by wearing blouses and playing basketball with charlie murphy so now everybody believes ridiculous prince stories and i don't want to say ridiculous because that also her 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 story has abuse in it and you don't want to disregard abuse so carelessly what the fuck is that that whole that seemed like a fever dream especially when you said she started running out and waking up the the driver that sounds like when i'm having one of them na- nightmares i wake up and i'm like oh, that's what i was thinking too like how scary as fuck i don't want to say she made it up i don't want to the thing that makes me think it's like like you said like a fever dream or something in her mind that is because the eye is turning all white i don't get that like does she not alert anybody in her her family or her team that she was meeting with Prince? Nobody knew about this previous meeting with Prince. She said she told her friends in the book that she was meeting with Prince, but who the fuck these friends in the book? I don't think she really named them. Yeah, she so said her manager was pissed. I don't know the source. I don't know, uh, but I, I don't like to discount it. But it does sound very far fetched. You know, I I can't say no. You can't say yes because people do crazy ass shit there's a sportscaster who you know uh was caught wearing uh hookers underwear and and bitter and he's and he's a successful sportscaster again so who knows who knows i i just think if she was making up she could have made it more believable i just think it's so unbelievable the whole pillow fight thing the eye thing that it kind of makes it sound true, if that makes sense. I'm not going to laugh. I mean, parts of them does sound believable just because that whole interaction. Don't you believe Prince at his heyday was like, bitch, I don't want nobody to talk to me unless I instruct you to. That sounds very Prince-like to have people like, uh-uh, don't say nothing. That It does to me. It also makes sense. But why? <laughs> I love how she was like, yeah, I was sitting in this kitchen for a little bit. Shit was dirty. Decided to clean up. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you read, if you ever read her book, Rememberings, or you listeners read it, you definitely get a sense of how she talks, who she is. Like, it's there. And, you know, it's like something she did not have to add in there. Mm-hmm. So now to the infamous Saturday Night Live performance in 1992. Yes. O'Connor was the musical act at Saturday Night Live when she is performing an acoustic version of Bob Molly's song, War. She changes some of the lyrics to include child abuse, and at the end of the song, she pulls out a picture of Pope John Paul II 
and rips it and says, fight the real enemy, throwing the picture at the camera. And then you hear like one awkward clap and then it's just silent. <laughs> that clap was like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was no, a, I didn't Whoa. take the temperature either, Sinead. I didn't know either. <laughs> so a few behind the scene facts. The picture of Pope John Paul II was formerly Sinead's mother's picture that she had hanging in her bedroom. Damn. Sinead had taken it after her mother had died and had always planned on ripping it. To her, it represented liars and abuse. Sinead was protesting child abuse in the Catholic Church, which was not a main story yet in the media, but was starting to pick up some news coverage in Ireland. During rehearsal, O'Connor said she was going to use a picture of a starving child. And that's like, so that's why it zooms in. Because they, they knew she was going to rip a picture, but they just did not know it was going to be of the Pope. <laughs> that's, that's how you do it. <laughs> hey, I'm going to do something. Ain't no need of y'all looking at the picture beforehand. It's a starving child. <laughs> Zoom in real close. <laughs> Watch me destroy, destroy people's hearts and religion. Also, O'Connor had a friend named Terry who was teaching her about Rastafarian culture at the time. And mm-hmm. she was like, Sinead has always been into different religions. So she was getting into it. He was teaching her. They were friends. He had confessed to her like a day earlier that he had been selling drugs and using kids as drug mules. Oh my God. How the fuck do you become friends with him? I think they met at a bar. <laughs> Gotta be careful of them bars. He said some people were trying to kill him and they had already tried, but he would be dead by Monday, which he did end up being murdered. I feel bad. I would have been like, stay away from me. So when Sinead said, fight the real enemy, she was talking about the people who were going to kill Terry. The producers at Saturday Night Live decided not to put on the applause sign. I don't know if it was deliberate or if they were shocked, but that might explain the quietness a bit. Well, yeah, they were so shocked they forgot to press it anyway. Mouth was hung open. Yeah, that's what that's literally what I think I read. Like the mouth, everyone's mouth was hung open. It was like, what just happened? And a dumbass like me would have been like, who who's on the picture? <laughs> who was <laughs> <who was> it? <laughs> Okay, I don't know if that would have happened today if it would have received so much attention. Not national wide, like what I know that it, what I do know of her, what I feel like, yes, in the present time, it could have been very heavily criticized, but I don't think she would have received what she received back then. No. Especially knowing what we know about them underlying discussing that secrets in a lot of those Catholic churches and schools. Exactly. So one of the main reasons, like I said, was she was protesting the abuse happening in Catholic churches, which was being swept under the rug by the Pope. So she yeah. is right. Yeah. Like, I just, just some society sometimes, sometimes we're right in casting judgment and then sometimes people are just so in their, just up their asses about certain things that they just can't, they they just, they just can't see the bigger picture, basically. At the end of the day, I just feel like anytime someone protests, even now, 
it's like, well, you should protest that way. You should protest this way. And it's like, there's no freaking accurate way to protest. And anytime you try to find a way to protest, governments finds a way to shut that shit down. Yeah. So O'Connor is banned from NBC for life. And she says, quote, this hurts me a lot less than rapes hurt those Irish children and a lot less than Terry dying, which happened on the following Monday anyway. Damn. I mean, I, I feel bad about her. Um, kind of don't feel as bad about that whole Terry situation. Why were you up in drug trafficking using using children? I mean, you got to assume if you're doing something dangerous, the people you're working for are more dangerous. Uh, you, uh, it was a risk. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was a cal- it was a what a occupational hazard. He accepted when he decided to use kids as drug mules with with drugs. Yes. So two weeks later, O'Connor is supposed to play at a Bob Dylan tribute concert, and O'Connor loves Bob Dylan. As a child, she would say she would always look for dads in artist in like musical artists. So she said. She first felt like God was her dad, but God doesn't speak back. So she looked at Elvis and then Elvis died and she found like Bob Dylan was her dad, mm-hmm. which I think it's such a sad thing. Like she's just trying to relate to someone. Yeah. Cause she didn't have that type of figure in her life. Yeah. So she loves Bob Dylan and he's a protest singer and she says she's a protest singer. So she really relates to him mm-hmm. and she goes out to sing and all she hears is booze. So she's not even thinking about the SNL performance two weeks ago. She's thinking maybe they're booing her outfit or something. Ah, uh, she ain't seen the press. <laughs> so I'm just saying. the crowd won't stop booing. And then they start, you know, some of them start cheering to like stop the booing. And she does that thing where she's like, thank you, you know, to try to get them to quiet down and they don't quiet down. And the band tries to play a little, but they won't stop booing. Damn, it's that bad. Chris Christopherson, I believe it's pronounced. He's a very famous singer. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Christopherson? I think that's it. Chris Christopherson. Chris, Chris, oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yes. He comes onto stage and he's supposed to like take her off the stage because of the booing. Mm-hmm, but he does but, a little jig like Ashley Simpson? No. <laughs> He just hugs her and he says, don't let the bastards get you down. And he walks off the stage. The band she tried- can do it. Sing. Yes. <laughs> what the fuck is that, KK? So the band tries again to play, but the crowd still won't stop. And, you know, they're doing that little intro to the song. And then Shanae just waves the band to stop. And then almost at a shout, she starts singing the end of war, the song she sang at SNL saying the child abuse line again. And when mm-hmm. she is done, she gives the crowd a fierce look that is just a badass look and marches off the stage. Chris hugs her and you can see she is upset. She has to pull away to almost throw up or throw up. And O'Connor to this day still stands by her decision to rip up the Pope's picture. She is a protest artist, not a pop artist. I think she wants the fame, but not at the price of changing who she is or going back on her morals i get that i understand that and i feel like she shouldn't she shouldn't have to regret doing that because it there was a purpose behind it and it actually it was an issue that she stood on and that was an actual issue in 
the world. So yeah, I feel like she shouldn't have to be ashamed about that. I feel like America, the world and the media and how they responded to that and to her was very miscalculated. Like anything she did afterwards, look at her side eye, whatever. But that particular scandal, I feel like was very overblown and shouldn't have impacted her career the way it did. It really was. They were literally using a steamroller to, you know, roll over her albums. Yeah. I did see that shit. That's crazy. Like, First of all, how you rent that out from your job? She was being booed off stages. Like, she could not work anymore. Um, she says in her book, and I've seen in several interviews, that she does not think this is what derailed her career. She thinks having number one single, Nothing Compares to You, is what derailed her career. She, you know, she's a protest artist. She's a live singer. She does not feel like she was ever supposed to be in the music industry. So she thinks that this actually put her back on track on the career she wanted. And kind of makes sense. It makes sense. If she's a protest singer doing what she did, not on SNL, but on a stage full of her people and her fans, would have gotten as blown up as it would have, as it did. Probably not. And I want to believe that she truly feels this way. And it's not something she's just saying to make herself feel better. Mm -hmm. Because I honestly don't think she did anything wrong. Yes, she ripped up the picture. And maybe that upset people because, you know, the Pope is like second to God in some people's eyes. Mm, Pope, Pope. (laughs) (laughs) But... Just a few years later, everyone was talking about the Catholic Church sex abuse scandal. Yeah, because you can only talk about something openly after you've crucified somebody else for speaking up about it. Yes. It's like the fucking Hollywood uh, rule. (laughs) Sacrifice somebody's burgeoning career. See how uh, see what happens. Record it. And then do the exact same thing, but differently and see if you survive. So I do want to start wrapping this episode up. I think this case is interesting because we can really see what happens to a canceled celebrity. Throughout the year, she has released eight more albums. I was looking at sales and I think each one is more and more of a decline in sales. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, she has spent six years in and out of mental facilities I don't think this was caused by the SNL scandal, but it is a a tool used by people to dismiss her like this crazy woman who does not know what she's talking about. I think it's definitely a symptom, maybe. All that attention and then having to recover from all that attention of love and then all that attention of hate probably didn't help her with her already trauma-filled childhood and teenage, uh, her adolescence. I, I just I feel like they definitely definitely her her popularity p- played a, uh, a part. I just don't think she ever really had a chance to process anything. So she was a child. She was being abused. She got sent away. She came back. Her mother denied everything. She went, got sent away again. Her mother died a few days after the funeral. She becomes famous before her album comes out. She becomes a mother. Then she's always touring. Then she becomes even more huge. And then it's her downfall. That, that's true. It's all so fast. Like She didn't really get a break. No. I mean, yes, there was some years between that, but 
motherhood touring albums like i just feel like it was always go 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 that she doesn't have time to process anything and with that much abuse as a child i mean it has to come back up so seven years after the snl scandal she did become a priest it was not acknowledged by the catholic church because you're still a woman still not allowed to become a priest but it's like on one of those branched off religions she has left becoming a priest and now she has converted to islam well as long as she finds something that works for her yes the few times she is in the in the news it is not normally for good things in 2013 she wrote an open letter to miley cyrus people were making comparisons about miley's video wrecking ball and Sinead's video nothing compares to you in the letter what was the comparison I actually w- went back and watched it because all I can remember from Wrecking Ball was Miley Cyrus swinging on the Wrecking Ball naked. Yeah, she was licking hammers and shit. And yes. she had that terrible haircut that everybody was doing. But when she's, still doing. when she's not on the Wrecking Ball, when she's not licking sledgehammers, she is, it's just a very close up to her face with an all white background. Sinead's video is a very close up to her face with an all black background. So there is some comparison. But I mean, nothing compares to Sinead. Mm-hmm. So she writes an open letter to her and she's saying, Miley shouldn't let the music industry pimp her out and being naked in a video is not empowering. Which I get why Miley would be mad. But I feel like Sinead was coming from a good place. Miley responds by posting a picture of Sinead on Twitter saying, before there was Amanda Bynes, there was Sinead. At this time, Amanda Bynes was going through some... Her shit. Yeah, some issues with her mental health as well. And then Miley posts some screenshots of, from two years prior to that of Sinead saying that she needs a therapist, if there's any therapists around her. And I kind of feel like it's a shitty thing to do. Like, it's very low for Miley to yeah, attack her mental health. Yeah, this is when all the celebrities wanted to start doing all that clapback shit and thought they were so smart. And a lot of them just ended up looking a lot more stupider. That's yes. not a word, but that's how they <laughs> um, but it, it So basically, Miley took it as a slight, even though she just didn't have reading comprehension, and said, well, let me insult you and somebody else. Uh, shit on you both. And then shit on... Uh, therapy because who the fuck would shit on you trying to look for a therapist you should encourage that people who talk about how therapy isn't worth anything and have no merit and don't uh would never try it those are the people you're worried about people who make fun of therapy and self-care those are people you stay away from because there's they're they're so damaged that if you tried to go and get help they'd feel like oh shit she's gonna figure me out Yes. It, I don't trust people like Also that. around this time, it was when Miley's album, I believe, Bangers came out. Yeah. So we know about Bangers. Miley was at this time where she, everyone is telling her, oh, she's going, you know, Miley's doing too much about this. She's partying too much. So maybe in Miley's defense, she was. She's going through her own shit. Yes. But I, I just feel like it was a low ball thing to do. And. It was 2013. Hopefully she's drawn from then. Yeah, because before there was Amanda Bynes, there was Sinead O'Connor, and then Miley Cyrus came tumbling after. <laughs> In 2006, after Prince died, Sinead wrote on Facebook, 
Two words for the DEA investigating where Prince got his drugs over the decades. Arsenio Hall. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Arsenio was at home and he just got, he got hit out of, out of blue. So Arsenio Hall claims that she's an attention seeker, that what she's saying is not true, that he has not spoken to Sinead in 25 years. And all the time Sinead has talked about Prince, she has said that she talked to him those two times. The time that, a time before, like at a party or something, and the alleged attack. So I don't know if she would know that. She also calls, I mean, they're just going back and forth. She calls Arsenio Hall, you know, Eddie Murphy and Prince's bitch. She like is just attacking him. She says the person who spiked her drink at that watching party was Arsenio Hall. And they just keep going back and forth until Hall sues Sinead for $5 million in a defamation suit. Almost a year later, the lawsuit is dismissed when Sinead and Hall release a statement saying Sinead has apologized and she takes everything back. I, so. Interesting. (laughs) Yes. I don't know why she would take it back if she was telling the truth. Uh, I mean, it could be a couple reasons. So. On one side, it could be if you want to be she she's a liar, you could be like, yeah, she was lying. She didn't know it was going to go that far. She apologized before it went any further and she was accused and uh, had to pay up. Or you could go with the other side with her not trying to drag this out. Maybe her not having the financial backing to take this to court or her being strong armed to uh, drop the whole thing by uh, the powers that be that we just don't know. I can see both sides. Who knows? I, res- I, I, I do apologies all the time to keep from paying people. <laughs> um, in 2017, I believe, is when she goes on Dr. Phil's show. She was pretty much, she was on Facebook. And she wrote a suicide note. And she was just going through a really hard time. And so Dr. Phil reaches out or she reaches out. I think Dr. Phil says she reached out. She says Dr. Phil reached out. And she goes on the Dr. Phil show and she tells her story and she does end up getting treatment, but she leaves. And it was just another time where she was in the news for her mental health. Yeah, definitely believe Sinead on anything she'll say about Dr. Phil. He is an episode <laughs> waiting to happen. I'm not on Dr. Phil's side. He's sassy. I'll give him that. So he's funny sometimes, but he's trash overall. Overall score is a D. No, it's an F. So that's 45. <laughs> He's 45% um, trash. And the rest, he's just a human. <laughs> she doesn't say that much bad things about him. She does say that the treatment center she went to, she did not like that he set up and that she never saw him there. And there's been problems about all his little treatments. That is true. His producers. He's trash. I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from, but I just don't like him. I don't like the fact that he has not given up on his little ring of hair still as well. I don't like his mustache. I don't like his fake twang. I don't like none of it. I don't like his his wife. I can't stand the ending credits when they they go around and then she be standing waiting for him to take her hand and walk back to the end. They look all weird. It looks so awkward. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And when I was reading her book, so June 1st, 2021 is when Sinead's book, Rememberings, came out. So that is so recent. I did not know it was that recent when I was reading it. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I, I didn't know it was that recent either. No, I... So she does say in the book, like, she's going... She does want to make a new album. She's had some tweets, and she's... There's more to Sinead. I honestly feel like she could have a podcast about her life. <laughs> like... If someone, if we had time or if someone wanted to do it, like they could honestly go into so much more detail. Mm-hmm. But she does say she's coming out with a new album and she wants it to be great. So that's, I don't know if she wants to be in the light limelight or not. Um, just this month on July 14th, so a few days ago, Sinead met with Ian Bailey, a journalist accused of murdering a woman in, 19, in 1996. He claims Sinead wanted to use some of his poems for new music. She claims he, she was just trying to get to the bottom of the murder and was asking him <laughs> questions no reporter would. <laughs> Bailey claims O'Connor intentionally got him drunk so he would start talking. Sinead says he was already drinking. She did buy the meal, which he ordered some drinks, but she says she was not forcing him to drink. Like, So if she wants to say that he she got him drunk, yeah, she bought the drinks, but he was the one ordering them she was posting a lot about it on twitter and i'm an idiot for not screenshotting them but the tweets are now gone like all of them are gone Uh and i was going on different articles like try and get what they were saying but a lot of them are behind paywall and i mean it was july 14th what is that today is the 24th so just 10 days ago so the story's still developing I honestly don't know well, this why Sinead is interviewing him. Yeah, um, definitely out of left field. Uh, I love that this is the same woman who told SNL cameraman and producers it's going to be a starving child and pulled out the Pope. So of <laughs> course she told this man, I just want to use your poem, poems, your poetry. Well, she denies that. And then she got him down and was like, and so what we're going to really talk about is what the fuck happened that last night that y'all was seen together? Maybe. And, okay, so this kind of makes me think maybe this is where she was coming from. There is new a new documentary on Netflix. I think it's called, it's called Sophie, A Murder in West Cork. And it was just released, I think, in June. So maybe Sinead saw it and she's like, I'm going to get him. She's going to be the first to break that story. Maybe. I, when I saw that, I'm like, what, what is going on? Like, how is, is how is this connected? Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, just regarding the music, you know, whether they sell a lot or not, I, I hope she's happy and proud of whatever music she puts out. Cause it's, it's, you know, for her, by her. But uh, regarding that interview shit, if she's using all these nefarious tactics, I cannot approve. <laughs> okay, if she's interviewing Ian Bailey, I can approve. It's the way she's doing it, if she is. I, I don't how, know. Hold I don't on, know. how is Sinead going to get this public? Like, what is she is trying to sell her story? Is she becoming a writer? Is she going to do a documentary? What's her end game on this? Oh my goodness! There, I I don't know. Like she said, she wants to ask him 
some questions and a reporter asked, I'm like, what are those questions, Sinead? And before she could get out to them, he reported like the next day to a paper was like, oh, she got me drunk and she wanted me to talk. And she's like, he can't handle his liquor. And he is just mad he lost narrative. And she had a clip of him on Twitter talking like, oh, my name is this or something. And you can tell he's drunk off his ass. You can tell from the pictures, yeah. it's just pictures of them that he's drunk. But that does not mean she got him drunk. Yeah, and honestly, with things like that, you you could blame uh, either side because there's no concrete evidence to prove either or 100% right. And I might be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure he was convicted in a French court of being guilty, but, or maybe it was an English court. He was convicted somewhere, and Ireland just won't extradite him. Oh, so it's one of those, it's their country laws? May, I don't know. It's I I didn't get too much into that one. Um, I just sent you a picture. Do you see it? Uh, yes, I see this picture. What am I looking at? Okay, it's Sinead O'Connor, and <laughs> that's where they were at at lunch. Oh, and shit. Like, he, he looks, looks different. He looks drunk, like, in my opinion. Eli, let me tell you about back when I was 17. Yes, and she looks intense. <laughs> And she's like, where the fuck were you March 16th? <laughs> yeah, I ain't gonna lie. They do look like they on two different wavelengths. Yes, and I am actually here for it if she I'll wants to. i on the Instagram. If she wants to go around messaging, not messaging, if she wants to go around interviewing like suspected murderers, that can be her second wave. <laughs> and the year is still going back and forth, so that story is still developing. Do you think Sinead has a comeback in store for her? Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't. I'm not. I'm not in her demographic of anything she does. <laughs> So if she is hitting the newsstands, hitting the 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 feeds, I wouldn't know anything about it. I ain't got no alerts on her. But maybe I don't see it being on a, a big scale. Maybe she's trying to, you know, bust into investigative journalism. I, I'm all for it. I would love it. But oh I my! About music, I think that ship has sailed, and everybody's too scared to pump her up again for fear she'll light somebody else's picture on fire. Okay, but think of this. If Sinead still has that power of seeing someone's room, what if she can use that to catch murderers? That's true, but that's only if murderers killed them in their house. That, that is true. That is true. That, that is so true. she's got a real small-ass pond, and they're going to have to fly her ass around. <laughs> hey, Sinead, we got five Denver murders in their houses, but we only have five hours because then we got to get you down to Minneapolis and they got about seven, but they're in three different state prisons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was listening to her sing recent, like more recent songs and she mm -hmm. still does have a good voice. I mean, it's an older voice. I think it's hard enough for 
older women to break into the limelight. I mean, Madonna releases new albums all the time, but no yeah. one like backs her up. Yeah, I was done after uh, the hung up era. That was my shit, though. Yeah. Oh, I can't sing it. No. But, you know, she she was hanging up on you. Hey, because everything. Wait, damn it. What was it? How'd it go? I, I don't is, know, but why are you singing it? <laughs> I don't know. The point is, she was in roller skates. I was envious. I was there. And I was a teenager. Okay. Yeah, I don't think she does have a great voice, but being an older woman, I think her time has passed. Oh, so you know about being an older woman? <laughs> no, her being an older woman. I And that's where we are off, which they that's where we leave off with her. I mean, there's so much more we could have dove into, but you were tired. We covered the basics. No, I <laughs> <laughs> I think like it's a lot of her mental issues, her that's it. That's like all of it. And we can do a revisit, you know, maybe I And smaller it. scandals. Uh-huh. Which not are, are not even scandals. Like one time she didn't want the national anthem done before her concert and people lost their shit it's like okay that's crazy so many people were telling us before it was even a big issue that the national anthem was trash <laughs> and Sinead's whole thing was she's not american she's irish exactly <laughs> i wouldn't that's real. why are we trying to push something on her and she ain't even from here that is something that we americans will do so i did like this one i I think society kind of owes her an apology. She might have mental health issues, but I I hate the, I don't know. I feel like crazy is becoming such a bad word because just used to write people off. Yeah, somebody told me that it's not polite to say crazy. You're supposed to use different language because the connotation yeah. is a hard habit to break. Which I first heard that. I'm like, oh, why? And I, I really get it now. Mm-hmm. But uh, so... No more to offer with Sinead? No. So we do like to end every episode on a positive note with some form of media. Social media. Not social media. Some media that relates to us. (laughs) Do you want to go Uh, first? Yes. I'll go first. I'll go first. So I wavered. I didn't know which one I was going to do. But I'm going to pick a show of course because i'm a tv child a child born of tv so today my media is basically my wife and kids uh one of the reasons i mention it is not only because it's like one of my favorite shows but they uh, put it on hulu and i love when they put a show i like on hulu because everyone's like i can watch it all that i want whether i'm going to sleep or doing other things that sounded weird. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that. Yeah, that that was weird. Like, I what's know, the what's the other things, I Katrina? Like, like, like what? Like, ugh. <laughs> well, I can't correct it now. It's out there. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's just so funny. It's got its moments where, first of all, you know, uh, they re- replace the 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 darker Claire with light skin Claire. Uh, Got a couple of dumbass, no gay jokes, uh, stereotypical jokes like any of those old 2000 sitcoms do. But overall, I think it aged well. It has funny people. I love Damon Wayans. I really love Tisha Campbell Martin. Didn't they replace Claire anymore? Yeah, that's what I said. The dark, dark dark-skinned daughter for the light-skinned daughter. Well, I I wasn't there with my sentence. 
Didn't they? No. Be- <laughs> Didn't they replace Claire because the original Claire's mom did not want like a teen pregnancy storyline or something? Like Claire had a friend. Am I remembering that right? So, well, I don't know, but let's dive into it real quick. <laughs> so you're saying the mom of the older Claire said original that- Claire. Okay. <laughs> the mom of the original Claire didn't want didn't want her daughter to be Claire because her uh friend was going to have a pregnancy storyline yes well I'm still going to say colorism because that's not proven yet but that if that's the reason that's stupid I'm going to go with they didn't like how she screen tested it or swamped her out but you know I you know whatever I like either or episodes. I can take uh, the ones with her. I take the ones with old girl, light skin girl. But I didn't. I didn't like the decision at uh, at first. I thought it was stupid. But uh, anyway, I just have good memories of my wife and kids. I watched it at home. I watched it when I was away at college. Uh, we watched it together. It's some of my favorite moments. Some of my favorite episodes is the foosball episode, the proposal episode uh sweethearts they're all good they're corny but they're good and i love a good corny show with black people i just looked it up and according to distractify.com that was the reason okay i was waiting i was hoping <laughs> confirmation so they're saying the reason is because the mother didn't like this man how you let your daughter lose that bag but they got syndications off your ass now okay so in in, in an interview with the christian post she said, I was 12 years old when I got the job. The producers wanted a different thing. They wanted someone a little bit older. I wasn't ready for that, she said. I ended up going to New York to dance, which was my first passion. I really thank God for that because I got to grow and travel. And again, that was from Destructify.com, an article by Dan Clarendon. Okay, original Claire OC, following your dreams either way. I appreciate it. What <laughs> colorism, but hey. I didn't appreciate how they didn't find another dark-skinned woman. You that is true. Me there wasn't dark-skinned teenagers all over the country. Not but in anyway, Hollywood. It worked. They weren't accepting them. <laughs> they the them. That's fucked up. But uh, you know, the show the show was great either way. Uh, still loved it. But that's my media. Uh, maybe next week I'll come with a book to sound smarter. But I stopped reading books once I reached high school. People pissed me off, so I was done with that. Oh, when people piss me off, I read more really yeah. i was like nah i'm about to fucking ruin my eyesight all right i read because then i'm like i'm not in my life anymore i'm somewhere else that's true i mm-hmm. also did that with flavor of love i also feel with these celebrities every time i because i usually like to read a book about them i like try to <laughs> i read a couple celebrity books i just like dive into their life so much that i surround myself in <laughs> like these past few weeks, it's just been Sinead O'Connor every day. Is your hair shaved down like Sinead? Well, I did just shave my hair, hair, remember? Yeah, I was going to say, you usually rock the Sinead look now that we're talking about it. I, I think when I started researching Sinead O'Connor's when I cut my hair. Dang. Look at you. It's the spirit. In yeah, the, uh, I, I really get invested. That's why I needed a little break and you did the last two. Well, nothing compares to you. I know, um, but I just thought with my media. So I don't really remember what I did last time. Oh, I did Erica Badu last time. So I'll do a movie this time. My movie is the movie Walk the Line with Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. With Joaquin Phoenix. Is that what I said? 
No, that's what I was saying. <laughs> oh, I did it. Um, which I had heard Johnny Cash's songs before that, but it was something, a movie that really introduced me to Johnny Cash. I'm a huge Johnny Cash fan now. I have, he's probably like in my top three artists, if I'm being honest. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know he was top three. Yeah, I, I think like, I haven't listened to him in a while, but when I do listen to Johnny Cash, I just like listen to him nonstop. Like I, I just go through phases. I feel like I only listen to one artist at a time. Um, and so Reese Witherspoon's awesome. Joaquin Phoenix is awesome. He's either a vegetarian or vegan. So that's always extra points. <laughs> and the movie's honestly good. I don't really know how much, how accurate it is, but it has good music and Joaquin and Reese, Reese are the ones, Cash. they're the ones who's singing in it. And honestly, Reese has a really good voice. Yeah, I love some Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I like both versions. I sometimes switch back and forth. I mainly were listening to the Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash versions of songs, but I sometimes listen to the soundtrack. Um, but it really introduced me to that. And Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash are both amazing. I feel like they're known. I don't want to say history's for forgetting them. I just feel like they're not as popular as they should be. If that makes sense. Yeah, for what they brought, maybe. Uh, I feel like as uh, people get older and generations pass, people do tend to forget about the older artists that were pioneers and paved the way for other artists to do things, certain sounds, certain melodies, certain genres, like the, the starters. Yeah. I yeah, and I think nowadays when people are like oh do you like country i always say no but i like that type of country i like johnny cash type of country so i do like country i just like older country i feel like and i'm like if it ain't carrie underwood keep it yeah i i don't think a lot of modern country is inviting if that makes sense it, it has to be like a lot of southern pride and confederate flags and it's yeah, like, I which, never know what they be saying. Yeah, it's like, which one are you? If I take my girl and put her on the truck real quick, <laughs> and then we we'll go to a stop and go and get us a fix, and then we we'll do a little stuff, and then we we'll dance with her boots, and we we'll do a little scoop, and doop, doop, doop. Is that, I, is, is that a real song? No, that was wonderful. Put her on my Chevy, but the bitch too heavy in <laughs> Okay, we're starting to band after this episode. Um, <laughs> so that is our episode, unless you want to add anything before I close it up. No, no, I think this was a good one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to reach out to us, we have our Gmail. You can send us your media. We can talk about it. And that is at saveyoursorry at gmail.com. If you want to reach us out on Instagram, save your sorry cash app, send us a dollar or two, save your sorry. All of those are spelled just like the podcast. If you want to reach us out on Twitter, it's save your sorry, but it's the your is spelled you are. That is all for this episode. Until <laughs> next time, it's been wonderful. It's been real. Bye. Bye.